I want to begin with a passage of scripture in Philippians in chapter 2, 1 through 11. The topic is this, think win-win. Will you say that with me? Think win-win. Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any incentive of love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Think win-win. It's a frame of mind and heart that constantly seeks benefits for all parties in all interactions. Win-win means that agreements or solutions are mutually beneficial, satisfying to all the parties. With a win-win solution, all parties feel good about the decision and feel committed to the action plan. Win-win sees life as a cooperative, not a competitive arena. We do live in a society and in a culture here in the West where most people tend to think in terms of win-lose. The strong and the weak. That kind of thinking, I think, is fundamentally flawed because it's based on a power position rather than on the principle of love. It says, I win you lose. Its leadership style is an authoritarian, authoritarian approach. I get my way. Sorry if you don't get yours. So much of that goes on in our society. It happens in friendships, relationships, marriages, and families. And it's never really all that fruitful. Win-lose people are prone to use position, power, credentials, possessions, personality, and manipulation to get what they want. And I think that unfortunately that many people have been deeply scripted in the win-lose mentality since birth. First and most important of the influential forces at work is 
the family. And sometimes these kind of things happen in family. It can happen very subtly, and it may not even be understood or realized. But for example, when one child is compared with another child, and when patience or understanding is given or withdrawn on the basis of such comparisons, people slip into, a child slips into this win-lose thinking. And it's the beginning stages of what can become a pattern in their lives. So whenever love is given out or shared on a conditional basis, when someone has to earn love, what's being communicated to him or her is that they are not intrinsically valuable or lovable. That their value does not lie within them, but rather it lies outside them, and it's based on their performance and how well they do. So sometimes a child actually is molded and shaped unintentionally and programmed into a win-lose mentality. I'm better than my brother. And if I succeed at this or that, my parents will love me more. My parents really don't love me as much as they love my sister. I guess I'm not as valuable and important to them. I'm on the losing end of that deal. She must be more important. Then there is a style of parenting that happens with or can happen with certain personality types. And that is where a parent feels like they have to win by showing themselves more powerful. By the tone of their voice, threats of punishment. Using Bible verses to make sure the child understands how displeased God is with them. To give some added leverage so that they can remain in absolute control and be in the power position. It's not a healthy thing. Because what it does is to imparts and reinforces that mentality, that win-lose mentality within a child. And they recognize if I'm going to be significant in life, I have to learn how to win. I may have to yield to my parents now, so I'll just shut up and kind of comply but one day I'm going to be in the power position. So then there's times when a child just may play that lose-win game at home. Well, I should put it the other way around. For them, it's the lose-win game. Okay, I I lose. Mom and dad can yell louder. Their threats of punishment sometimes come true, and I don't want to experience it anymore. So I'll just kind of go along with it. But then when they're out of the home with other kids, now they can practice the win-lose mentality. They can be the one, the boss on the playground because it feels good to win. At home, it's too scary. But now I'm with other kids. I'm with other teenagers that aren't as strong as me. I can exert strength and feel powerful. Not that they consciously walk through those steps in process, but it's what comes out. I've watched it again and again and again. Having been around a school directly every day for 20 years. However, I have observed that some 
children, young adults who grow up in a home where there's this win-lose mode of parenting, and they go, I don't like it, and I don't want to be like that. And so when they grow up, they say, okay, by God's grace, I'm going to practice something a little different. I'd rather see a win-win mentality. I've watched this, many a young person who says, I'm going to change this kind of thinking in my life. What I experienced wasn't healthy. What I experienced really wasn't the, the best model. Mom and dad are great people, but I want to try my attempt at, at participating in a win-win mentality in my friendships and someday maybe in marriage. Now, there are some, of, some people that are programmed the other way. It's called lose-win. I lose, never have won. Go ahead, have your way with me, whatever. I just want to get along. Go ahead, step on me. Everybody else does. I mean, I'll just be at peace with it because after all, I know I'm not powerful and I'm just a peacemaker. I'll do peace at any price. It's okay, you win, you win. Okay, great, I'm happy with that. I don't fight and I'm not gonna scrap and okay, you win, I just, I just surrender. People who think lose win are very quick to please and appease and they may seek strength in the, by the means of popularity. If I be really, really nice person, and always appease others, at least I will be loved and liked. And that happens often in life too. Not a real healthy place from which to live. There's also this lose-win thing that can happen in the context of leadership and it can happen even in a home and with parenting and that is to where a parent feels af afraid, actually, of the child or children and is afraid that if I exert and I begin to draw, even in the most loving way, boundaries, and if I get a reaction, I don't want that reaction, so I'll just kind of go with whatever the kids want. How many of you know that doesn't always work out well either? That doesn't work either. I have sat with many people. I've sat with parents, and it's like, like and, and they're going, I know I should be drawing some healthy, loving boundaries, but I don't know how to do that. I tried it this last week, and my daughter went berserk on me. Okay, we just need to talk about that. You see, the problem was it didn't start last week. See? Those are difficult situations. I have sat with adults, mostly guys over a cup of coffee and now and then in a kind of a counseling type of a setting with them gals too. And one of the things that I have heard multiple times, numerous times, and I wouldn't try to count, but well over a dozen times where I have had a full-grown adult in their 20s or 30s telling me, I wish my parents would have had the courage to set loving boundaries in my life when I needed them. But my dad just was a buddy to me. He was afraid. He was just my best friend and buddy. But he wasn't a man who could really set direction and sit down and look me in the eye 
carefully and lovingly and said, help me, help me set some boundaries in my life. And I've worked with guys in a situation who now are bitter because they said, I went off the track as a young teenager because I didn't have a parent. They were literally afraid of me. Now, let's just give a whole lot of grace because in some of those cases, I actually knew the parent. And what I realized that the parent had, been, had grown up with a lose-win mentality. So if they felt some resistance, they just kind of caved in automatically. Rather than sit down in a healthy way, work through it, it's like, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. Not realizing that down the road one day, that child will be sitting over a cup of coffee with a pastor saying, I'm so angry at my parents because they, they, they thought they were doing me well by being my buddy. But I'm, look what happened to me. I just wish they would have. You have no idea. I mean, multiple, multiple times I've heard this said and heard it shared. By the way, we're not, I just throw this one in for free. We're not called to be best friends and to be the most popular person in the home. We're called to be a parent, <laughs> loving parent, gentle caring, hearing, understanding, sitting together, processing the stuff of life together. You see, sometimes win-lose people love the lose-win type because they can feed on them. Actually, the real strong, I'm, a, I'm the win guy, kind of love those that they perceive to be more weak and vulnerable because they can feed on them and take advantage of them. And such weaknesses complements their strengths, and that, that's not a good scenario. And from a distance, I've seen that happen, and my heart just breaks like, no, this is, this is just not good. And I'm wondering in the situations, and this sometimes even when a Christian does that, I'm realizing there's something of the essence of Christ that is missing in a working reality in that person's life. Doesn't mean they don't love God. Doesn't mean that they're just a terrible person. But that's not the nature of Christ. I win at your expense. Not Jesus. It's not the way of love. Everything about Christ is about win-win. That's the nature of Christ. Well, individuals who grow up and with the lose win mentality many need healing many could do well to go through some counseling to kind of explore some of the root causes and find the truth of the matter as God sees it and find some freedom and and learn to take courage you know take courage and learn how to uh, uh, to to be a, to be a participant in we're moving towards win-win type decisions and situations now, there is that some people are just really, really programmed to win. Some people are kind of like almost born that way. You could see it in the little toddlers playing. I mean, they're just going to win, right? With no ill intended. Nothing of a heart that even wants to try to dominate, but they just come out because they just are naturally how God kind of wired them, a very strong person that just likes to take the lead and make stuff happen. And uh, sometimes people with that don't necessarily want someone else to lose. 
It's just that they're exercising their life in a way that's all they know. And that's challenging sometimes with kids in teenagers and such is how to take the beauty of the strength that they carry without, without squelching them, without demeaning them, but help to give some counsel and guidance on how they can incorporate a Christ-like love and system of honor in their thinking and in their processing, whether it be in friendships and other kind of relationships, perhaps with the family. And so <clears throat> when is probably one of the more common approaches, though, in everyday negotiations in our culture. You don't see this in all cultures of the world, but in our American culture, at least historically, there has been, and what I at least perceive to be, and just what I hear from some other people who, who, uh, 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 whose, whose, whose work involves a lot of people, is there, there seems to be, with a younger generation, a little bit more of a different perspective than approaching things typically with, I'm going to win at your expense and where you lose. I think that's beautiful. But I think that uh, um, sometimes that, that win-win thing, or that, not the win-win, but I'm going to win um, is, is probably the most common approach. And this person is really fixated on securing their own needs. Now, that is not a bad thing. But, but, but what we really have with the win-win thing and this is where as brothers and sisters in Christ we come in and we try to explore what are the needs of the other person so as to understand. Not just to try to give an explanation like they owe you uh, some explanation so you can evaluate as to whether they're on or off or whatever. No, 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 no. To, to, ask, to try to understand the needs of the heart and the needs of the soul, the emotion, the mind and such that way. So I think the win-win <clears throat> isn't about diluting one's passion. It's about exercising the spirit of Christ, love and honor, so that the other person can rise up. Never do we want to walk away from any situation. At least it would never be our intent. It doesn't mean it will always happen that way to where the other person feels like they lost. Now, I have walked away in situations, but I knew that wasn't where I felt like I lost, if you will, but I knew it wasn't the heart or the intention of the person. Sometimes it may have just been my own insecurity, and sometimes it was because maybe I was afraid to speak up because I wanted just to be the peacemaker. And so I have had that numerous times in my life, and then later it's like I had opportunity I wasn't even totally fair with the other person because they weren't there to squash me, to put down. They were there just being rather candid and frank, but I was afraid to express. This make any sense to anybody? I was there just afraid to express. And then later it's like, I wish I would have been a little more forthright in expressing because I think that they were really, really willing to hear that. So in this whole mindset... And that's why I'm simply proposing to us that these are days, well, I'm proposing that we learn to think win-win. Look at our culture and society the last two years. Polarization on every front. You can name it, take about any issue, and immediately people's like, I'm on this side, and that means I'm against that group. This is not the way of Christ. 
This is not the way that Jesus taught us how to live. And it doesn't communicate the truth of the gospel. The gospel is about win-win as it relates to God and his perspective and heart with humanity. Sadly, sometimes in our dysfunction, when we have a win-lose thing, we go away feeling really powerful. Wow. Boy, that argument was really amazing. Did you see how I handled him? Not cool. We can do that in parenting sometimes too. We walk away feeling really, boy, it's powerful. Put the kid in his place. Not cool. Correction needs to happen at times. Sometimes in our relationships, we need a little adjustment. And sometimes God uses other people to adjust us a little bit. There's a difference between correction and being put down, though, or manipulated or controlled. And I think if we have any kind of the heart of Christ ourselves, we're always open to God's adjustments and correcting our lives. Now, how many of you know that sometimes when God's using someone else to bring a little correction adjustment in our lives, they don't always go about it with great finesse? Can I see that hand? Boy, there's not any hands in here. You know, I'm the only one that's experienced this. And you walk away and you go, ouch. I think God's talking to me, but ouch, the delivery, the messenger could have done it in a whole lot nicer way. That's where we just have to have a lot of grace with each other, right? And a whole lot of forgiveness. There's no mom and dad that will always get it right and always help their son or their daughter process things just right. It doesn't happen. Always. Even our heart's intense. Or in marriage, it doesn't happen. As much as we can be committed to a win-win, sometimes it can feel, one party feels like I'm on the losing end. But it wasn't necessarily intended. Sometimes it's the demeanor in which we share. Sometimes it's not taking the time to listen to the one that may tend to feel like I'm the loser and not hearing the heart. There's no formula, but there are principles. I want to talk a little bit more about this in the next couple weeks on that note. Because by God's grace, I really want to grow in this area myself. I want us to grow. I want us as Christians who represent Christ to grow and not be any longer part of the polarization in our culture and society. That should not be. Christians should be perceived. We should be perceived by the world as people who are gracious and kind. You may have your convictions, but how we go about expressing ourselves, do we do it with honor? And the building up of other people, do we come across as a, in a self-righteous manner? As if though God is on my side. And sometimes when we do that, we actually dishonor the name of Christ Jesus. I'm nervous now because it's really quiet. <laughs> Christ calls us to a better way. It's a win-win. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Got to read it again. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, 
but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It means we have the capacity. We carry the nature and likeness of Christ. And this false self, this egocentric part of us that wants to rise up in order to feel powerful and significant, has forgotten that our lives are hidden in Christ. And it's through humility and surrender to Christ that we're actually most powerful in a purest sense of the term. Win-win is based on the paradigm, get this, that there's plenty for everyone. There is plenty for everyone that one's person's success need not be achieved at the expense or the exclusion of the success of another. That's in part at the root of why we do the win-lose thing. Poverty mentality. There's not room for everybody at the top and I'm gonna be there for sure. Not the way of Christ. What he wants is the, the, the tide to rise and we all rise together in Christ Jesus. And we can do that having passions and personal convictions that look distinctly different from one to the other on whatever subject it could be in this world, but we can do it with grace, beauty, and honor in the name of Christ. I actually believe that. And sometimes when I try that, it doesn't feel really good. And it's really difficult at times. But aren't we called to grow? We're called to grow up, not just to remain in our level of dysfunction that we've just kind of tolerated with each other, but we're called to grow. You can't grow without being uncomfortable. Just watch any kid. His body hurts actually sometimes when he's growing and taking a growth spurt. There's a lot of discomfort in growing, and we watch it in our children as they go through different stages. If we're growing spiritually, if you want to grow spiritually, if I want to grow spiritually, then I might as well accept the reality that I'm going to be highly uncomfortable at times. Because I cannot grow without changing. I can change without growing, but I can't grow without changing. And to actually grow spiritually sometimes means to have to deal with my own junk, my insecurities or power control issues or that just lose whatever, use me, step on me. And we have to work through it and it's not always easy laying down the need to be right and stay in control. I believe that as Christians, we're called to make our society, our cities a better place in which to live. We're called to be salt, we're called to be light. And if I, I was thinking about this the other day. If all of the Christians in the United States of America, if we could all grow and slip into this mode of win-win, our country would look different. It would look different. And the enemy of our soul would have a whole lot less to use against all people. 
it would be silence for the most part. Wow, these are tough days in which we live, but they're great opportunity, a days of great opportunity to grow. The systems of the world are inherently argumentative, competitive, dualistic, based on a scarcity model of God, mercy, and grace. Thank you, Mr. Rohr. That was an amazing, amazing quote. Okay, we need to, <clears throat> I need to move on here. Hang on. There's a beautiful scripture right here, Luke 6, 38. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. And one of the things that I've asked the Lord for, even in my life, to say, God, I want to be able to develop a deeper revelation and understanding mentally, emotionally, that there's more than enough for all of us. And that we can all win. We can walk away in our relationships from one another where there's differences of perspectives and understanding. And we can all walk away at peace. Peace. And you can, we can be in peace but have very different perspectives. But still be at peace with the Lord and with one another. And we are called, I think, to this kind of thinking. Thinking win-win is based on the paradigm that there's room for differences of perspective about a host of matters that pertain to life and culture while maintaining and even building friendships in the midst of differences. Here's some areas. I've already touched on some of them. Marriage, parenting values and practices, uh, of friendships. We can, we can all probably grow to some degree in these. Um, business models and values. And every business has to develop kind of their own model and value systems, okay? And it's going to look different from one business to the other. You can't take one and overlay it on the other and say, this now is how we will look, okay? There's so many variables. How about the social issues of society? And quite honestly, here's the most sticky area for Christians, it, it, aside from parenting and marriage. It is the most sticky area for us. Because as we look at social issues of society, immediately we have Bible verses that come on the screens in the back of our minds, right? And so, and so then, we, then, then, then we start reacting to situations probably um, without wisdom in terms of being able to try to understand the bigger picture. So we have some issues right here within social issues and their spiritual perspectives and there's political stances. And that's where things get really messy, right? Because when you have things of certain aspects of morality or that you feel like are biblical principles, but they're also hot political topics. And that's where things have got like really off the rails the last couple of years. And all this fighting and division amongst Christians because one has a perspective here and another one has another. Matters of like poverty and homelessness. There's 38 million who live the poverty level and, and below in our country. Climate care. Immigration policies. Health care. Sexual orientation. Income equality. Racial matters. Maybe injustice. Those are just some of the hot topics, aren't they? 
And my guess is if we actually had a forum and we took the time right here in this room with this group of people, we would have some variables and some differences of perspective on every one of those areas. But I think we could do that. I think in Christ, with humility and love and honor, we could do that and still appreciate one another, love one another, honor one another, and still walk away friends and brothers and sisters. Or am I just dreaming? Isn't that the Christian life? Since when is the Christian life about everybody thinking alike? Yeah, we understand there's a central theological truth of what around which, which Christianity is formed. We get that. Jesus being God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the Nicene Creed really sums it up nicely, or the Apostles' Creed, okay? Um, here's some religious perspectives. We have to think win-win to have healthy relationships between Muslims and Christians. I got to see that through Mike and Vanji. Uh, we, we were there. Some of us were there with them when they were over in uh, Brunei. And they have some amazing friends there because I, I, I saw this. It wasn't there to prove, they weren't there to prove them wrong. We're right. You're losers. We're the winners. I have Jesus. Here's my Bible. That wasn't their approach. Their approach was much more gracious and beautiful. There were people wanted to hear and listen to them because they didn't go there with the thing. We win. You're losers. I got Jesus, you don't. It wasn't their attitude. And so they, I felt like did a, did a beautiful job of that. But that ministered to me. That ministered to me. I, I noticed that. I knew that was your hearts, but being on site and location and sensing your hearts and watching some interaction with you and some of the dear Muslim people, I go, wow. Can you imagine? Is it possible to have a win-win friendship with somebody, uh, with, with somebody uh, of another religion, um, there's multiple ones, with somebody who's in new age thought? Or is that because it's so repulsive that I can't even have a friendship with you? Coffee's out of the question. That's you're too close. Gives me the eebie-jeebies. What are you fearful of? What are you fearful of? If your security is in Christ, what's the reaction about? Oh, we're funny people sometimes. How about beliefs and practices of fellow Christians? Can there be a win-win? I mean, we have so many thousands and thousands and thousands of denominations because it wasn't possible in the minds of those who started one more denomination. We couldn't win-win. We win, you're losers, because we have a difference of perspective on a doctrinal theological point or some manner of practice, okay? Is it possible to live in our city and interact a win-win meaningful manner with others who believe in Christ and consider themselves who are Christian? Maybe they're uh, American Baptists, Pentecostals, um, Latter-day Saints, Methodists, Conservative Baptists, Lutherans, Charismatics, Nazarene, Reformed, and, and even churches that welcome gays and transgenders? Is it possible to even 
show honor to the fact that some individuals say, I belong to Christ, and that can I at least have a basic sense of honor? Not, not necessarily agree. Don't have to agree on everything. I'm talking about a win-win. Or immediately do we position ourselves like, well, we're just, I heard it said one time, and when I was a kid, I was somewhere around 12 years old, and it has stuck with me for life. And 12 is a pretty distant past at this point. But it sticks with me. And the statement went like this. And it was from a pulpit. We believe closer to the Bible than any other group. I really, on one hand, and it wasn't said with arrogance. It was just said as kind of a humble fact of the matter. But it bothered me. So does the other group. They believe the same thing. And the other group, and the other group. And it's like, wow. That doesn't sound like a win-win. It's okay to personally feel that, that your understanding so as to this point in life is something I really feel is biblically solid. That's beautiful. But of when it becomes to where ours is more closely than others. You know what I think a more healthy perspective is? And something that I've grown in over the years because I get to interact with people. I get to interact with all the other leaders in this city and others in the region, differing ones. And you know what? I learned from all of them. And some of the things that I was so rock solid on, I'm like, wow, now I understand you. I just met with another pastor the other day. And I'm meeting with another one this next week. And, and we come from little different perspectives and backgrounds. But there's something of beauty of their heart. Even if I don't quite understand their perspective or may not even agree with it, I love to hear their heart and their story and their journey is beautiful. And I always go away from those never wild up, but I always go away so humbled. Sometimes if it's just myself with another brother, then I'm, I'm going away so humble. I come home and tell Dinesh, I say, wow, I just had the most amazing time. I did it this last week with such and such person. This other pastor is like, wow, I heard the story. I heard his journey. And it's like, wow, there's so much beauty in his heart. And while we would have some difference of perspective, something things, we walked away. He heard mine. I heard his. And it was a win-win. He went away grateful to God. I went away grateful to God. Because by God's grace, we were both able to come with humility and to honor one another. Local churches, we're wrapping it up here. Can we have grace for each other? We're all on a spiritual journey. I hope that we're on a journey to want to change. I hope that you are individually because if you're not, you're going to shortchange yourself. But you can't grow spiritually. You can't grow in the grace and knowledge. Just go to look at Peter. The grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ without changes. And sometimes those changes are not easy. Changes of thought. Changes of attitude. Changes of perspective on, you know, who knows why. Can we have grace? Can we have win-win? I think that we can reopen the door of the ancient door of faith and the unity of this, uh, <coughs> of a holy undivided church as it was before 1054 AD when the east and the west split. The west um, uh, Latin 
and the east of the Greek. And there was this major division that happened. There were always differences with the early church fathers and stuff. You read back and they hammered things out and they wrestled with certain things of doctrine and theology. And that's why eventually they come up with the Nicene Creed. It's like, okay, these things are going to be central to the Christian faith. But there was this major divide that happened and it's still happening amongst Christians. I just wonder if God could capture our heart, that our hearts could be so captivated by love that things could look different. What if Christ is a name for the creator of the universe and the transcendent one with everything in the universe? What if Christ is a name for the greatness of all true love? What if Christ is the one who has taken upon himself the sin of the whole world to reconcile all things into himself, everything in heaven and on earth? And our unity in Christ is to the extent that we are divine partakers. I can't exercise the unity of Christ's heart that he looks to have with all people. And we can never move to that level on this side of heaven because we only know in part, see in part. But we can step in that direction as much as we're willing to be partakers of his divine nature and say, God, search my heart. Search my heart, God. Is there anything in me that has to win and to try to be right and to prove somebody else mistaken or wrong? If that's there, God, work on me. Move me through process to become a more Christ-like person. Still carrying convictions of understanding of this and that and the other related to the Christian walk, but not with judgment towards another. No gospel will ever be worthy of being good news unless we, it carries a win-win worldview. Good news for all people. And I would say this. The right to decide who is in and who is out and whose hearts are right or wrong is not one for our little minds to try to even imagine. We're finite minds. Only God can do such infinite imagination when it comes to love and justice. He's God. And you know the good news is we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. This is our last thought. Isn't it beautiful how that Christ by his spirit, he's at work in processing all of us but he will have the last word for every one of us when we all stand before him on judgment. And that's actually going to be a beautiful place. You know why? Because the fire of his love will burn away anything that's not oriented and, and fixated on the love of Christ. Paul talked about it. He'll burn away. Wood, hay, and stubble. The stuff that gets in the way of our lives. Every person will all stand there. So we look for because he's a good God. And when we stand before him, his goal is not to punish us for what we didn't see here on this earth. Even though we live with a clear conscience, that's not the goal. The goal is, is that we move to a new phase of an eternal place of glorified bodies. And we don't want to carry any of the stuff with us that tripped us up. That diminished the beauty of relationship here in this life. Because we, sometimes we simply don't see our stuff. Isn't God amazing? He loves us so much. Let's stand up together today. Thanks so much for just trying to really hear 
hear my heart today. These things are, 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 are so oppressing on my heart. And I, I just feel like that we're all so blessed to be included in Christ Jesus. And I'm so blessed that there's so many other people in our world. I don't always understand who they are. I don't understand how they think. I, I, I can't, you know, uh, subscribe to, to the, necessarily their perspective. But I, I, I want to let the Lord Jesus sort all that stuff out. And I want to honor. And I want to be a part of a win-win scenario. Rather than have somebody else lose feel like they lose because if I have to be right. God help us. Thanks for loving us. We're a beautiful work in process. You've begun a good work in us. Thank you for bringing it to completion. Thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit to comfort us in process, to challenge us where we need to change and grow, but then give us an abundance of grace to make adjustments as the Holy Spirit leads and directs our lives. Unto you be all honor and glory, we pray. In the name of Christ, and everyone said, amen, amen. I bless you so much. Have a super blessed day.